Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What's in Store, the show where we unpack hot topics at the cross-section of retail and real estate. I'm Carly Iacono, Senior Vice President at CBRE. And I'm Chris Ressa, Chief Operating Officer at DLC. So nice to see you all again. Thanks for joining us for another episode. So today, we wanted to cover a very, very pressing hot-button item, inflation. Inflation numbers came out this morning, 9.1% a record not seen since the early 1980s. So Chris and I thought it would be helpful for all of you listening on LinkedIn Live or on YouTube to just kind of give you our thoughts. Now, note, we're not economists, as you know, so take all of our guidance and commentary with a grain of salt, but we wanted to share what we're seeing in the market, both from the consumer, the tenant, and the landlord perspective. And hopefully by continuing this conversation throughout the industry, we can all make sense of this crazy time and come out as much on top as we possibly can. So that's where we are. Chris, great to see you again. So glad we're back for another episode. How's everything in your world? Everything's going well. How about you? Everything is good. We're cranking. We're navigating these crazy times. So could be much worse. Yes. Just got we're done in. with some kid illnesses. That that that's been my my kids are young and they were you know locked in COVID, so their immunity immune systems aren't built up yet. So they getting sick. But. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate side of coming out of lockdown, right? Yes, all, all dealing with that. Well, I'm I'm glad they're doing better. Hope they continue to to stay healthy. Yes, you too. You too. Thank you. So we're going to keep today's episode to 30 minutes, and we have a lot to cover for everyone listening. So thanks for tuning in. Let's jump in. So we're going to start with consumers. Now, there's a few things from a consumer perspective, obviously, that inflation is impacting some good, some not good. So the first thing that I wanted to bring up was the difference between in-store shopping and e-commerce, which may or may not be completely inflation related. I think in terms of shipping and some other elements, there are factors that are pushing consumers to the stores. But Chris, what's your overall feeling about how inflation in particular is affecting consumer behavior and where they're shopping? I, I think a couple of things. I think one of the things that happened in Q1 is the travel industry, and in particular travel and leisure, started to really pick back up. So <clears throat> spending started to shift a bit Retailers still did well, didn't see the comp comping up that we had seen from certain retailers and some retailers had down quarters. But I think one of the reasons that hasn't been talked about enough is Americans started to really travel again. They wanted to get out of their house. They wanted to go places and they wanted to go on those vacations that got missed years prior and travel really picked up. Um, I don't know if you've been anecdotally to the airport lately, especially the summer. It's packed. It's nuts. Uh, it, and people are moving. I think, you know, for a while, the, you know, tourist markets really were struggling from a retail perspective. I think you're probably seeing us come back in some of those tourist markets. Um, I don't think, I think in a, uh, I think hybrid work is creating <clears throat> and, you know, flexible PTO policies are creating opportunities for travel. We're still 
pretty employed in the United States. So people have disposable income despite prices rising because um, travel's not cheap. But I think travel has this, it's a lump sum. And so like if most people, when they're about to travel, they have this, there's this moment in time when they're like, all right, I got, I have to save for travel for a bit. So I think that impacts, you know, shopping and spending. Uh, notwithstanding that, I think there's still some retailers who are doing well. And one of the things you keep hearing is that sales were better than 2019. So um, from a consumer perspective, I think that's a piece that we're not talking about enough is how the impact of Americans traveling for leisure again. Pent up demand is definitely a real factor with consumer travel. Two years off, now everyone feels that they've got to get out. It's their time, they're not waiting any longer. So I think that is impacting where we're shopping. Um, we had some interesting stats at CBRE about in-store versus e-commerce shopping. So in-store was up 11.5% year over year in Q1 and e-commerce was up 10.2% year over year in Q1. So both higher, which shows the pent up demand, which was interesting in itself, but in-store shopping growing faster than e-commerce. So yeah, nice and, and that's multiple quarters of in-store growing faster than e-commerce. Right. I would say that's not a, I, th I think that's, that goes, that's a trend. That's not a, you know. Not an anomaly, anomaly. right, not a one time. Yep, I agree, I agree. I, I, and I think e-commerce right now from a consumer perspective, I think is, you know, with the cost of shipping and oil prices, it's making this real and we don't have drones flying packages everywhere just yet. I think this is really causing a problem. We're seeing, um, you know, some what I'll call, you know, the fast grocery delivery or fast convenience delivery. Some of those brands start to struggle, have, have layoffs. We're seeing a couple of them just not have operations in the U.S. anymore. I think this is, you know, that was a hot trend. But, you know, I think the, the free shipping is going to start to wane. And I, I think what will be interesting to the consumer is how the, how the retailer structures the deal. So they might offer free shipping, but the product might cost more. Mm -hmm. They they might offer free shipping, but you might be paying some membership type fee on an annual basis or loyalty thing that you pay monthly. Um, there's a lot of ways to make it look like the cost of the purchase is equal or even less when sometimes it's not. So I think that psychological, I, I, right? That's yeah, it's psychological, but at the end of the day, True. it's clear that shipping is it's costing an astronomical amount to get to have home delivery so mm -hmm. um now i i think one of the things that'll be interesting in store is you know where we've got because of all the increased buying from retailers due to supply chain you you, you could be in for a discounting period discounting from what I'm not sure because 
what what was interesting and Simeon Siegel talks about this a lot, which was prices started to rise on goods that weren't how you know economists are talking about inflation. It was really just a supply and demand um, scenario where they had the ability to just charge more because there was so much pent up demand. Now there's actual increased fixed costs that are getting embedded into the price. And now retailers have, many retailers have excess product and they're trying to figure out what to do with that. So I think we're in an interesting piece for the consumer. So that could be a big win for the consumer and a great way for retailers to coax out additional sales, right? When consumers say, well, market. such a good value, I should buy it anyway, right? Potentially. But it could also be an indication that the profitability of the retailers will be impacted, which I was going to touch on, but we'll jump ahead um, because of this excess inventory and discounting. So I don't think we're seeing it yet, but maybe that's a warning sign for the future that the actual profit margins might be decreasing if we're going to see increased discounting. Do you think that'll we'll be a see. negative? Which, which would be, and, and the reason I bring that up is because it would be weird in inflationary times. It's not right. what people would think. And I think, I think that's the really, that's why I say discounting from what, right? From what number, right? And how does, how does the cost, how does, any retailer e-commerce brand structure the cost of shipping because it's a cost and mm -hmm. it's risen. So they can build a lot of efficiencies to try to bring down that cost, but it, it feels like the fixed cost to operate that is just rising at a more rapid pace than they could create efficiencies to bring down that cost. Right. Another more expected outcome from a consumer behavior standpoint would be the concept of trading down where consumers will buy maybe a, a non-name brand product. They're still going to buy what they need, but maybe they go down the luxury scale. Um, that's opposite what we were just saying, right? Where maybe their mainstream retailers will be discounting so they won't have to do that. Do you think we're going to see a lot of sort of averaging down of consumer behavior? I mean, this is like a, I think it's such a debated theory. I think it depends on the product. It really depends on the product. You know, um, I don't know. I, I don't see people not buying iPhones and getting flip phones. You know what I mean? That's an expensive right. purchase, right? I don't right. see people, I don't see people trading, you know, if you're a Nike buyer, like you buy Nike, right? So I think brand matters a lot. I think number one. And so I don't know, just from personally, like when you, when you, when you look at things, right. And you're looking at things, what I, what it seems to be ha happens and just talking, I could read everything that we read and read every research report, but anecdotally, what I, what I think happens just as much as trading down and, and trading down, I think certainly it's, you can look at the dollar stores increased traffic over the last couple months. So they've had increased traffic, traffic place area. I was just quoted dollar stores have had increased traffic. So people obviously looking for a bargain. I think that's clear. And potentially 
you know, maybe you don't buy Cheerios and you buy that brand's whatever O's they are, right? But what I think happens a little bit is what, you know, Target mentioned in their, in Q1, which was like, there was one less item in the basket. Mm, okay. Right. There was Not one less item in, in the basket, right? Like, brand. I don't know. Have you had, have you, you know, I think people have, all right, you know, we normally eat out four times a month. We're only going to eat out two. That's not a right. trade down. That's a cutback. Right. Different. Mm -hmm. That's a cutback. So I don't know. I, like we said, we're not economists, but I see a little bit of both happening. Like there'll be right. some trade downs, but there'll also be some cutbacks. And I think there's a difference, like you said, in the type of good or service that we're talking about. Some of those, the Nike example, that's a status consumption purchase. Exactly. You could buy sneakers that function very similarly, right? But don't have the brand name. So status consumption is going to have different loyalty than say, you know, an everyday item that you might tinfoil, whatever, right? Don't really care what brand of tinfoil I buy, whatever one's the cheapest. So maybe instead of buying the Reynolds, I buy the store brand and I save whatever percentage, right? Extreme example, but I no, think- No, I think that's real though. Right, the reason people are buying goods is gonna matter as to how much they're willing to spend and how their behavior changes. Correct. Interesting. All right, let's move on since we're already at, almost at the halfway mark to tenant impacts from inflation. So you on the landlord side deal with a ton of different tenants in your portfolio. Most of our, our tenants are on the national scale under long-term leases. So I'm not seeing day-to-day -day fluctuations um, in our, our lease terms because most of our leases are set very long. You, I know, are doing a lot of leasing. You have a very robust portfolio. What are you hearing from the tenant side on how the the inflation is impacting their real estate decisions? So the biggest discussion that we have as it relates to, you know, inflation is, you know, I think for one, it's for a while, it's been the labor piece when they're thinking about labor, um, the price of labor rising but as it's specific to real estate i think what i think it's important to note that one tenant demand has not slowed down so th that's an important piece i think one of the things that's and, and and talk about why is that well one we've been repurposing a ton of retail real estate in america to whether that's storage industrial multifamily. Two, we have leased up a lot of space in America. And so there's fewer spaces to go after, which is the same supply and demand um, opportunity conundrum, potentially, that is on the, the consumer goods, consumer products uh, that we talked about. And there's very little new construction given the cost of construction. So we have had all this lease up, some repurposing, and you know, by and large, I think one of the things good for retail real estate is retail real estate took a lot of its medicine pre-pandemic. You know, I don't think it gets a lot of enough credit for that. You know, there was so many of the retailers that people thought should go away went away pre-pandemic. And we got a lot of the retailers that were functionally obsolete, less relevant, whatever you want to call it, out of the system prior. 
and there's arguably still some some left but i think that the reality is that that medicine was taken and so what's happened with the robust economy that construction supply demand lease up is that we've had centers that have improved we already had we had so many mass store closings outside of bankruptcies forget about sports and borders and toys r us that all happened pre-pandemic right we've had a a ton of lease up we had mass closures outside of those and we had the repurposing so the fundamentals are strong there and i think that um that bodes well like right now in the cycle and you know it doesn't appear that any outside of pruning portfolios mass closures are on the way at scale in the in the moment because you have a healthier retailer that you know made it through the pandemic that was fundamentally probably pretty sound prior to the pandemic we have this net this the 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 narrative has changed where you know from uh e-commerce is killing retail to uh bricks are saving clicks because of the cost of shipping and the profitability of the store we we've turned from like you know if you're going to have a store you need it to be this experiential thing to a store is a good way to make a profit yeah. and so i think that um so as it relates so if you take all that and you say like so how does that translate to like what's happening on the ground in the market i think what's happening on the ground in the market is tenant demand is robust there's a significant amount of time spending and analyzing deals to make sure that costs don't bite people because of the lead time from a lease signing or a cold call to a store opening. That gap could be significant in time, right? We have deals we're working on where we're talking about a 2024 opening. And that could right. be a very different world. And I, I think so. That so we're looking at this and like, you know, here's what we, our estimated construction costs, but who knows, right? Like right. In the 2024 world, right? So there's a lot of evaluation going into that right now. So things are taking a little longer, but the demand has been strong. And I would say demand, even on the local level for a local small business is still there. I think those small business tenants that rely on SBA are feeling a pinch because of rates rising. We talk about it as landlords on the mortgages, but it's impacted SBA loans, right? You couple that mm -hmm. with construction costs. That's a challenge. It's a big franchise vehicle is the SBA. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, compressed their margins. So there's people still have an appetite because, you know, generally the consumer has been spending and people want to capitalize on that. But there's definitely an evaluation of deals and trying to make sure like thread a needle with some uncertainty on costs where it used to feel like there was more certainty around that. And the timeline is so important. You know, we put out data just recently that retail availability was down 30 basis points in Q2. So that means the market continues to tighten very stiff competition for space for all the reasons you just mentioned. 
but those deals take a really long time to get done, right? And I think everyone loses that perspective. It's like, wow, there's intense competition. There's very low vacancy in retail, which is not, of course, what the media is saying, but that's the reality of it for, for good spaces. But if we're starting deals now that aren't going to get done till 2024, what does that look like? And I think that's where the challenge comes in, as you said, for the, the tenant perspective. Um, last question on this before we move to the landlord side. Are you seeing tenants materially change any of the terms that they're offering? Are they, instead of maybe offering CPI rent increases, which I'm sure nobody is doing right now, are they changing their lease structures or making any material changes to try to sort of pivot for, for this risk? I think, uh, so a couple of things I would say. I said, one, I think, and we can look at the REITs, but rents are rising. I don't, they're not rising at the pace of construction costs, unfortunately, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's nice that rents are rising, but if it's an extra 50 cents and construction costs are up 50%, like that math is, right. is tough. But rents are, rents are rising because of construction costs and demand. Uh, so that's, you know, if you want to consider that a term. I think, um, you know, we, we went into this time where people were thinking that lease structures were going to be like, you know, some were going to be this flexible, short term, all this right. stuff that we talked about. I think, re you know, retailers with conviction want to lock up as long a term as possible for as low as fixed cost as they possibly can. Uh, they want when they want space control, real estate control. Um, I think more of the changes are less about inflation. I still think there's like a, a tailwind of changes that are coming from the pandemic. So, you know, people are definitely focused on the assignment provision. People want mm -hmm. flexibility. Um, you know, it was a local tenant deal, but, you know, we ended up not making a lease that died on the assignment provision, which I would, you know, we would have typically figured that out, but that was one that recently died on the assignment provision. Uh, we couldn't get there because I think people are looking for flexibility in times of duress. And obviously the assignment provision is that. And by people, you mean tenants, definitely yes. not landlords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, so that's one there's obviously like, you know, constant iterations of health emergency and, you know, what happens in a pandemic and things like that, that are coming up. But um, I would say that the risk mitigants are like still coming from the really about the pandemic and that, and what people learned in that. And uh, then more about like just the knee jerk reaction of, you know, how do I hedge in inflation? I would say that, you know, <clears throat> Tenants are definitely trying to, you know, limit increases and landlords are pushing for increases. Right. Of course. Right. Age old, right? Two sides of the coin. Correct. Let's move to the landlord side on that note. Um, how are the rise in interest rates, the rise in construction costs, how is this adjusting not just yours, but landlord sentiment? And I'll, I'll share what we're seeing the market too, but tell me how this is affecting sort of your day-to-day? -day. I, 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 I was, I met with a, a retailer, someone who owns a hundred stores and 
I said, how's business? And he said, anyone who can look you in the eye and tell you an answer and they really believe in that answer, you should be concerned. I laughed and said, what do you mean? Yeah. And he's like, how's business when? When there's unprecedented stimulus in the market, when there's excessive inflation, when there's supply chain challenges, when, you know, unemployment's at 3% and we can't hire, like how's business when? Like right now, he's like, it's hard to wrap your head around like the house business. Yeah. Like, do I know what my sales are today and what they are for the week? Sure. Mm -hmm. But is that indicative of like how the overall business is? Not quite sure that's true. So I thought that was like pretty sage wisdom right there because right. I, 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 there's a lot of people who want to like, you know, give you like a clear answer and I'm not being evasive. I'm, I'm just saying, I think it's sage, sage advice there. I would say that, you know, I think the capital markets, the investment sales market is, you know, challenging to wrap your head around. Um, it's pretty fragmented. It's disruptive. It is market by market, asset by asset. And so that creates opportunities and challenges though. And I think, um, you know, that's what I'm seeing, which is like, it's so all across the board and you could talk to 20 different in investment sales brokers, 20 different debt people, and you could get like really different perspectives mm -hmm. on how the market is. So, um, you know, we're still out buying, looking for deals. Uh, we're developing. Um, and from that perspective and, you know, leasing has been strong. So those are, uh, a, a couple of things I would say, you know, you know, and from my lens, when I think about it, like the, the, the gating, you know, the gating issue with construction costs to put tenants in place is probably more challenging than it's ever been. You know, and I think that if that that's where like the analysis paralysis happens in deals right there. And like same with like, you know, if you're even if you're buying a deal and you're trying to really get your arms around CapEx or what's going on and you're thinking about putting like, you know, we're going into budget season and we're putting like our five year CapEx plans together, right, that we update. And I know people are, you know, thinking that through really carefully and that like no one wants to like really miss on that. But, you know, let's let's be fair. Like that's not an easy exercise in today's right. environment. Right. Like, you know, so what, many factors lost in right? five years. You know what I mean? The geopolitical, the inflation. Yeah. We put something out that construction costs are predicted to be up 14.1% year over year by end of 22. That's a huge jump for one year. But then on the flip side now, oil's just below $100, right? So that's come down a little. Maybe that signals recession. Maybe that signals some easing on costs. I don't know, right? It's, it's all dependent on what factor you're looking at to tie back to your initial quote um, from the interviewer doing. 
I think it's a, there's so many competing factors, but we're hearing on the landlord side, like you said, that the increase in rents is great, but that doesn't always outpace the, the cost of TI or construction costs. So, you know, it's definitely a, a tug and push and pull right now between making new deals work on, on the development side from the cost and then the, the increased rent. So how much can you push rent, right, before the tenant cancels or lease? Here's what I would say, like from an industry perspective, like it, you know, at the intersection of retail and real estate, it feels like fundamentals are so sound today compared to other times entering challenging markets from all perspectives. So I think that's a good sign for our industry, right? We didn't overbuild, right? Right. The great recession really made people rethink and changed how people levered properties. Mm -hmm. Retailers closed a ton of underperforming stores, you know, retailers that were just hanging on for a while between 2010 and 2020 went away. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of strong fundamentals and what that's caused is significant new to new to market entrance, right? There's a lot of new concepts out there. Um, the consumer's changing and entrepreneurs are trying to capitalize on that. So I would say that it is challenging, uh, who wants it easy, but I think fundamentals feel for the industry in a much better place than potentially some other industries going into challenging times. I absolutely agree with you. And I have a very similar positive slant on the market. I think the next year will bring a time of incredible opportunity and growth for all of us, right? The, the retailers expanding, the landlords finding new tenants and putting new deals together, brokers making this all work, right? Good advisory services have never been more important because there is a lot of different factors in the market. So I think no matter what piece of the business you're in, we're all very lucky to be in this industry overall. Yeah. And I think that wraps it up. Why not end on a high note? There you um, go. I think it's, it's going to be good. We've got challenges, but we got to keep the conversation going. And like I said at the beginning, hopefully we'll all end up ahead. Thank Excellent. you everyone for Thanks joining everyone. us for, for Once in Store. It was really nice to, to be back having this conversation with you. If anyone has questions, feel free to reach out to Chris and I at any time. That's today's show. We'll hope to see you all soon. Thanks again. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.